Hello again, everybody. Today, we will speak on the Arizona audit. Yesterday was a busy day as two women, Katie Hobbs of the Secretary of State of Arizona and Pamela Car Carlin from the DOJ sent nasty grams about the audit process going on. Implied and explicit threats from the DOJ are coming for us all. Darren Beatty at Revolver News finds out who is pulling your U.S. military towards BLM purity tests and the overlap goes back to Obama. Hello again, everybody. Uh, this is uh, Jason Powers um, from West Lafayette, Indiana. So there's been a lot going on, and uh, I this is going to be an interesting broadcast because right now I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the ramifications of certain things. So we're going to start with Revolver since that's what's on my mind first. Uh, Revolver News publishes an article about the the Department of Defense, in particular uh, a, a guy there who's... Uh, becoming uh, he was actually leading up the charge here for the Pentagon as far as how they're purging people uh, his name is Ben Benjamin Garrison or Bishop Gar I'm sorry Bishop Garrison my fault uh, I guess uh, I got Benjamin on mine but uh, his name is Bishop Garrison so he's been selected to uh, run this, uh, this outfit at the State Department or at the DOJ um, he's come up with, uh, he's got some interesting ideas. Let's just put it that way. One of them, um, is, uh, quite telling. So this guy is a BLM supporter. He's a 1619 project supporter. He wants to, I mean, he, he's a Barack Obama supporter. He may also have, uh, his strings being pulled, uh, from a guy named Norm Eisen, but uh, he's doing the he he's the man behind uh, Lloyd uh, Austin Lloyd Austin I think is the the formal me memo I'm sitting here um, reading through a bunch of different things at the same time so my apologies here so there's a memo sent on April 9th 
regarding uh, the senior Pentagon leadership commanders of the combatant commands, defense agency, and DOD field activity directors. So this was sent off. So it was tied to February 5th, 2021. I directed the stand down to occur within the following 60 days to address extremism across DOD. While we conduct a detailed review of what we learned, there are immediate actions that our subject matter experts here at the department have identified as critical initial steps. To that end, I'm directing several immediate actions and establishment of a a countering extremism working group as we will continue to address this issue proactively. So this was issued by... um, uh, So his point of contact is Mr. Bishop Garrison. This was Lloyd... uh, Lloyd Austin, I guess, as I can see, I can barely read, read his um, handwriting. So that was being uh, pumped out. So, so they've released it. They had a little presentation here, and the things that they're re- uh, relying on for uh, extremism, and this is what they're they're saying is their extremism targets, and they've been saying this for quite a long time now, out of FBI, DOJ. They're turning all their efforts on domestic people. They're they're turning all their forces and powers on the United States. And all these people are also being funded and propagated by the Chinese Communist Party. And they also are ideologically aligned with them. I mean, they're influenced by them. And they're also, they propagated this idea. They've been propagating this idea from, for the last decade that this country is extremely racist. Ever since we were elected by Barack Obama who is half black at least, uh, it's quite telling that here in a country that is supposed to be this extremist country that doesn't accept people based upon race, we elected an African-American president, um, overwhelmingly, by the way, in in 2008. He he had 70 million votes, largest amount of votes total, and then he had like 53%. So he was a landslide. He won by, you know... So here in this country, uh, and, and the reason why was because he got some pushback in 20, uh, 2010 because uh, people didn't want socialism. They didn't want the ACA. And so the Department of Justice ever since then has turned into this little uh, maniacal uh, agency that's bent on destroying the U.S. Constitution. And they have. They've, they've been going at it. They went after the Fifth Amendment, your right to due process on college campuses, uh, by lowering the bar there uh, from, you know, it used to be beyond a reasonable doubt in a criminal situation, and then it was just a mere, uh, 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 it was a sham, it was a joke. They did this on college campuses, they targeted uh, uh, people, targeted uh, uh, men in particular, and it was all divide and conquer. It's all about getting people stirred up, creating these creating these problems. Because it's the Hegelian dialectic. It's the problem-reaction-solution. Uh, the thesis-antithesis synthesis. But it's all in, in, in ter- formulated to a torch and agenda. The idea is to get uh, get people to turn on each other, divide and conquer. And Obama's behind this, by the way, because Norm Eisen, the guy who's pulling this guy, uh, uh, um, <clears throat> this particular fellow's strings, uh, was... Uh, According to Politico, so in short order, Eisen, who served as the chief White House ethics lawyer under President Barack Obama, placed the emoluments issue front and center in the Trump era. Yeah, because Norm Eisen's a piece of garbage. He always has been. 
uh, he's a political hack. So I'm not going to discuss him too much because there's no point in it. So DARPA, <laughs> this is actually its tagline, DARPA. So domestic extremist ideology is posing the greatest risk to the DOD. So patriot extremism, the core belief, this ideology holds the U.S. government has become corrupt, has overstepped its constitutional boundaries, or is no longer capable of protecting the people against the foreign threats. On these grounds, they refuse to accept the government's authority to tax or govern them. As such, they do not believe they are subject to the laws of the United States. Some elements have formed militias and openly advocate for the violent overthrow of the U uh, current U.S. government. No one's advocating for that. They're, they, I mean, when I say no one's advocating for that, I'm sure, yeah, amongst the amongst the most extreme uh, uh, reading of that, yeah, you somebody makes pronouncements. But the funny thing is, is the people that are in charge are the ones who actually overthrew the government. Uh, Joe Biden is a puppet. We know he's a puppet. No one, no one, no one will ever. The thing is, is the reason why they won't allow any investigation because they committed crimes in order to get this election, and they know it, and they know that we know it, and so they're doing everything they can to cover their ass, and they're trying to uh, deploy the the deploy the powers that be against the American citizenry because they despise us. They always have, really. Once you get to a certain level, so this guy even, this guy Bishop Garrison, I mean he's a, I mean he graduated from William Mary Law School. William and Mary is a top tier law school, probably top ten, top twenty in America. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta score well on the LSAT, and you or you have to be um, funded well to attend William and Mary. I mean it's not just like. So he did that, and he was he was a uh, he got out of there in 2010, and he got employed by the Veterans Affairs. He he was a uh, uh, graduated from West Point. He spent five years in the Army as a captain, a captain in the Signals Corps. But it sounds like to me like he's got a big chip on his shoulder, and he later on went to so he's a member of the Black Law Students Association, and you know so this guy is just. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what got into his mindset, but his tweet, his tweet threads are quite in telling of who he is as a person. Um, uh, for example, he says, "It says so." Like one. Uh, let's see which ones I can start with out of this. Silence from our congressional leaders is complicity. He is. He is only going to get worse from here, and his party and his leadership are watching it happen while doing nothing to stop it. Support for him, a racist, is support for all his for all his beliefs. This is Bishop Bishop Garrison's tweet from July twenty seventh of twenty nineteen. See, he's he's drunk the Kool Aid and swallowed it twice, so to speak, and uh, you know it just speaks volumes to who he is as a person. I'm going to see if I can roll this back and let uh, Mr. Uh, Darren Beatty speak, and hopefully it won't be too bad. Cheney, um, uh, you know, you and Buskirk and Brian Kennedy, you got, you know, six, seven, eight of these major intellectual powerhouses like yourself. Uh, in fact, you were the only Ivy or Ivy equivalent professor, I think, that came out and supported President Trump before the 2016 victory. You were a speechwriter in the White House and one of the great thinkers in this movement. What did you think yesterday of the of the speech, and what did you think of CPAC overall? Uh, sorry. I thought the speech... My apologies. Um, I thought that was going to be a uh, lead-in to his... Uh, he, he appeared on uh, War Room this morning, and I know people dislike 
Bannon and whatnot. That's not the issue. He's not the issue. He's had on liberals too. He's had on people that are very uh, non-Trumpian type of people. So it's not like he's advising. He's not the he's not the problem. He sees the greater issues at hand, and and sometimes people don't want to realize what they're up against in terms of uh, the going on. But anyway, the the DOJ is targeting, and they have symbols that they're going after, and they have these observable behaviors. Or they they they're they're, they're put, putting together this ideological framework to attack the American people for their belief systems, which is all against the First Amendment, by the way. It's totally repugnant to the First Amendment. You can believe what you want to believe, but this guy believes that everybody who believes a certain way, including in the military, is is unpatriotic. No, they serve, put on the uniform, and they serve the uniform. But what this guy is is he he was always he's the kind of person that I met a long time ago when I was in the United States Navy. I met a guy named Pete. His name was Pete, and oh by the way, Pete was a, a spoiled black guy. And when I say spoiled, I mean he thought he was better than everybody around him, and he even proved it. He proved it. He proved it to us. So at one point, uh, I got we got a call, or I, I as it turned out because of my position in the the recruit training, I was a, a yeoman. So I had access to the office that the our uh, uh, command leaders uh, were. Uh, uh, that's where they sat and did their thing, and that's where I did the paperwork for the. For everybody who was a, a part of that division, in terms of marking down what they've done and what whether they did, I was basically a bookkeeper. That's what a yeoman is. I carried the records around and made sure everybody got the got those got those handed over, and they had to be alphabetized and all that kind of crap. Anyway, so I get a call into the office, and I answered it, and I was supposed to answer it. You know, Division Nine Two Four. How can I help you, sir or ma'am? Well, for whatever reason, that particular time, I didn't really think about it when I answered the phone. I just said, hello. And I just answered. I didn't answer formally because I, I guess I was in the middle of a conversation at the time. There was a guy at the door and I, you know, you just, you know, slip out of your, your, uh, your mechanism. So anyway, so as it turned out, I answered the phone and it was a, a lieutenant general and he was calling about Pete. He was calling about his uh, he said, well, my uh, my nephew is in your division. May I speak with him? And I said, uh, yes, sir. And so I called Pete down to the office and, you know, gave him his privacy, shut the door. He talked to talked to his, you know, uncle for 15 minutes or something like that. I don't know. I didn't really, wasn't, I didn't have him on the clock, but I was a little bit concerned just from the the general standpoint of, you know, it is highly unusual to call. So anyway, I guess he was making he was making overtures back to the through the command, and obviously to his you know his uncle, uh, you know that uh, <laughs> that something was amiss. Well, it wasn't too long after that Pete was transferred out of the division and went on his merry way. I ran into him like one other time on base because uh, where we were stationed at, it just so happened to be there were several schools at Great Lakes. I was in the fire controlman school. I don't remember what rate he was in. I think he might have been a signal, a signal corps or RM or whatever. doesn't really matter. The point is, is there are certain people that are just antagonistic towards everybody around them. They grow up with this concept in their mind. They got to get a chip on their shoulder about something. And it, whether it be race or sex or something. 
someone in their past did something to them and they never get over it. I understand this because we all have a little hot have a little hot button issue with people. We've all had some kind of victimization narrative that we build up in our minds to keep us the way we are because we uh, you know it's it's human nature I think almost. It takes a lot of courage to eventually say, I'm going to dump that. So to get back to like our friend Obama, for whatever reason, he took that as a personal slight when his ACA wasn't quote unquote accepted by the American people quite the way he wanted to. And he got in the midterms, they got shellacked and they lost their seats in the house and they lost power, and blah, blah, blah. That was his fault. Then from then on out, he operated by executive order. Like I said, he oper- he 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 sold the concept that he was going to do these great wonderful things for the United States and he didn't do anything. He talked about managed decline. He did, talked about we need to come to grips with our past. It's like do you realize why we elected you? We didn't elect you to hear you denigrate us any further. I'm just them just putting it in my my uh, point of view not other people's point of view but i didn't elect him i voted for him in 2008 i didn't vote for him in 2012 i didn't vote for anybody in 20, 2012 i don't think um i'm trying to remember i i do remember going to the voting polls but then i changed my mind and left because it was a little too long a line anyway uh i voted for him i even donated 25 bucks to his campaign I was willing to give him a chance over McCain and and everything the Bush era represented, thinking that I was really making a choice. Didn't realize what kind of a uniparty that we have, that nothing in D.C. ever changes. And he didn't represent any change. He didn't put jobs. He didn't put jobs first. He didn't put food on my table. I put food on my table. He didn't solve any problems. He didn't shovel ready jobs. The economy sucked for most of his administration there was a few bright spots here and there i will give him credit for a few quarters where they did something but for the most part it was a very ho-hum recovery and he had nowhere to go but up at one point the stock market was down to 6500 from a point where it had been like 13000 now the stock market is only one measure it's not even the most important measure it's just a measure most people look at their 401k's and their retirements and pensions but this was never about that. It was about him trying to uh, terraform this country into a socialist nation, to turn this turn this country over to people who think that they deserve things, that they think they're owed something. And he played on that. He manipulated that over and over and over again, which makes him a terrible human being in my in my estimation. Because you know what? He was given much. And when you are given much, much is expected of you. You got to. He went to Harvard Law School. I didn't go to Harvard. No, many people don't go to Harvard. That doesn't make him more intelligent than me. It just means he's better. He's probably better at words and more precise and blah blah blah. But the reality is, as many of us had a, had a general expectation that he would try to make things better. But I didn't research him well enough to know his prior experiences were never about that. He's connected to Bill Ayers who founded BLM, amongst other people, and I should have realized that. I made a tragic mistake. I gave him the benefit of the doubt, and he disappointed me immediately. He dis- When I found out about that letter in 2011, that was it. I was done with him as a person. 
They didn't like the response that people made in the middle of America. The reason why they responded that way to you, Mr. President, ex-President Barack Obama, was because we didn't want to go backward. We don't want to relive the past. That's what the Democrats always do. That's why they play the race card every two to four years. They're poisonous people to the core of their human existence. I hate to break that news to even Democrat voters. I wish you wouldn't like, wouldn't like that. Stop playing identity politics. That is destroying this country. You're doing it on purpose, and I know you are. And it annoys the hell out of us because you're not doing anything for us. It's not about my, my identity. Do something for yourself. Be self-reliant. Go do something useful, purposeful. Help people. Stop making it about your skin color or what sex you are or what queer gender identity norm you are. It's stupid. It shows me the lack of intellect in your mind. It shows me you haven't evolved past just playing that. But they know it works because they know half of America is pretty stupid. And now I'm going to play you a little clip, hopefully, that'll explain some of this. Uh, it's from uh, uh, old timer. I mean, he wrote Brave New World, so that should tell you something. Um, but we're going to play a couple of clips from it. And I'm just uh, trying to fill time. National forces, which are pushing in the direction of less and less freedom. And I also think that there are a number of technological devices which anybody who wishes to use can use to accelerate this process of going away from freedom, of imposing control. What are these forces and these devices, Mr. Hudson? I should say that the, uh, there are two main impersonal forces. Uh, uh, the first of them is not exceedingly important in the United States at the present time, though very important in other countries. Uh, this is the force which in general terms can be called overpopulation, the, the mounting pressure of population pressing upon existing resources. Uh, this, of course, is an extraordinary thing. Something is happening which has never happened in the world's history before. I mean, let's just take a, a simple fact that between the, the time of the birth of Christ and the landing of the Mayflower, the population of the Earth doubled. It rose from 250 million to probably 500 million. Today, the population of the Earth is rising at such a rate that it will double in half a century. Well, why should overpopulation work to diminish our freedoms? Well, in a number of ways. I mean, the, the um, experts in the field, like Harrison Brown, for example, pointed out that in the underdeveloped countries, uh, actually the standard of living is at present falling, that people have less to eat and less goods per capita than they had 50 years ago. And as the position of these countries, the economic position, becomes more and more precarious, obviously the central government has to take over more and more responsibility for keeping the ship of state on an even keel. And then, of course, you're likely to get um, social unrest under such conditions with, again, an, inv uh, uh, an intervention of the central government. So that I think uh, you, one sees here a pattern which seems to be pushing very strongly towards a totalitarian regime. And unfortunately, as in all these uh, underdeveloped countries, 
the only highly organized political party is the Communist Party, it, it looks rather as though they will be the heirs to this uh, uh, unfortunate process, that they will step into the power, the position of power. Well, then, ironically enough, the, one of the greatest forces against communism in the world. So that's segment one, and you could call that a roadmap uh, to why people do the things they do, especially if they want to get a, get a response. Uh, because that's what when he talked about, you know, oh, there's you know, there's more suffering now than there was back in the day. What he doesn't, he doesn't, he isn't paying attention though. You know, he called some guy named Harrison Brown, which I don't know who the hell that is, but you know, whatever. Um, part of the problem that he mentioned when he talked about, oh, it was a pop due to population and stuff. Could it be to leadership? Could it be to poor uh, resource management? Not from the top down. He he always he he. Here's the problem with government, and this is why so many people become libertarians as they get older, or or more conservative. And there's a little overlap between the two, but there's there's also a lot of separation between those two tenets. Um, and I'm not going to pretend to be an absolute expert, but the idea of uh, expecting government to solve your problems leads to the leads to the totalitarian abuses of the, of that he's talking to and he talked about the more organized portion is the communist side he even understood that and he's a eugenicist or at least his uh, uh one of his offspring uh um julian or whatever huxley i'm sorry um is is part of that that tree so he wrote brave new world now the next piece here hopefully i got it queued up about right uh, we'll go from there. Uh, methods of communication which diminish our freedoms in addition to overpopulation and overorganization? Well, there are certainly devices which can be used in this way. I mean, let us uh, take, uh, after all, a piece of very recent and very painful history is the uh, propaganda used by Hitler, which was incredibly effective. I mean, that. What were Hitler's methods? Hitler used terror on the one kind, brute force on the one hand, but he also used a very efficient uh, form of, uh, of propaganda, which uh, uh, he was using every modern device at that time. He didn't have TV, but he had the, the radio, which he used to the fullest extent, mm -hmm. and was able to uh, impose his will on an immense mass of people. I mean, the Germans were a highly educated people, well, we're aware of all this, but how do you equate Hitler's use of propaganda with the way that propaganda, if you will, is used, let us say, here in the United States? Well, Are you suggesting that uh, there no, is a parallel? Needless to say, it's not being used in this way now. But uh, uh, the point is, it seems to me, that there are, are methods at present available, methods superior in some respects to, to Hitler's methods, which could be used in a bad situation. I mean, I... What I feel very strongly is that we mustn't be caught by surprise by our own advancing technology. This has happened again and again in history. Technology has advanced, and this changes social conditions, and suddenly people have found themselves in a situation which they didn't foresee and doing all sorts of things they didn't really want to do. Well, now, what do you mean? Do you mean that we, we develop our television, but we don't know how to use it? correctly? Is that the point that you're making? Well, at present, the television, I think, is being used uh, quite harmlessly. It's being used, I think, 
uh, I would feel it's being used too much to distract everybody all the time. But I mean, imagine, which must be the situation in all communist countries where the television, where it exists, is always saying the same thing the whole time, is always driving along. It's not creating a wide front of distraction, it's creating a one-pointed uh, drumming in of a single idea all the time. It's obviously an immensely powerful instrument. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about the potential misuse of the instrument. Exactly. We have, after all, all technology is in itself morally neutral. These are just powers which can either be used well or ill. It's the same thing with atomic energy. We can. So, so there you hear him talking about how technology can be used. You know, it's you know morally neutral. But he was talking about media and propaganda, and we all heard about Hitler. So. There was the Smith-Mudd Modernization Act that was passed in 2012, and it contained within the it was contained within the National Defense Authorization Act for the fiscal year of 2013, amended to the United States Information Educational Act of 1948 and Foreign Relations Authorization Act of 1987, allowing for materials produced by the State Department and the Broadcasting Board of Governors to be disseminated widely spread within the United States. This allowed the allows the media and and the media is controlled by our government if you think about it a little bit. Uh, I don't need to mention the the alphabets, but uh yeah, they can propagandize to you and that's what they've been doing for the most part since the back end of the Obama administration to the present day. And yet there's still people that still believe in what they're spewing out on a regular basis regarding Trump or anyone who's connected to Trump. Trump has his flaws. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to make that very clear. He has plenty of flaws. And those things could have been easily critiqued. But instead of focusing on policy or maybe a few things in the things the way he says it, instead of doing that in a rational way, which the media never did, they just straight out went to the smear campaign 24-7. And believe me, that's being driven by Obama, Clinton, and even the Bushes. Because the neocons and the neolibs are just one big globalist happy, happy family. They want to pit us against each other. They despise you as a person. They don't have any patriotism left. Uh, they've given up on that a long time ago. They think it's corny. Obama thought it was corny. Uh, and he, and he, he, they're probably gleeful in the fact that they, uh, they've uh, abused us to the level they have. So... You can, I've left a link in the description to the Revolver uh, article. It's quite long. Uh, he's a CR, uh, this Bishop Garrison's a, a critical race theory zealot. So he advocates ardently for the 1619 Project. Uh, you know, on August 19th, he said, I don't care what color you are, how you identify, socioeconomic status, or how your family got to this country. Stop what you're doing and read this other, read this and other pieces of the 1619 Project. These are American stories we need to hear, because he's just hustling on race. I don't, I don't want to get into his, his, his ideology is just poisonous. It'll ruin this country, and he's now he's in, he's involved with the, the, uh, the, the defense department. He's their, he's their lap dog, and he's also their, he's the pusher of this ideology. So next up, we're going to talk about uh, the Arizona audit. So. Uh, yesterday, uh, the Arizona, what's her face, uh, the, the Secretary of State out there, Katie Hobbs, I think is her name. I have to, I got the article. I, 
I've seen her. She's she's a blue hair. She's just one of those great, yeah, Katie Hobbs. So her um, her her uh, she wrote a little nasty gram to the people that are running this uh, uh, running this audit out there in uh, Arizona, and they're doing actually a good job. Uh, they're just ordinary people trying to get to the bottom of something. But she wrote it as a Secretary of State, and she sent it to Ken Bennett, uh, and she complains about a bunch of different things. Uh, and the procedures and everything, who's involved with it. She calls people conspiracy theorists and all this other kind of stuff. It's just basically a smear uh, campaign. She complains about the, uh, was it at the end, concerns are based upon observation. The, they keep on going to the inadequate physical security of the ballots, which is a, which is a bogus allegation. See, they don't see. This is one of the primary problems I have with most people, is if you have to make such a, a much a, a bunch of garbage, if you have to throw that in there just so that you can get Democrats to believe stuff like this, because they know most of their most of their sheep does don't even bother to look at it. You can go to azaudit.org and, and, and see what's going on there. They have nine different cameras throughout the building. You have a camera on the, the entryway, which is a four-quadrant four camera, and you can see a security guard, and you can see the aisleway, and you can see fencing. Uh, everything is under, ca- under camera. Uh, the audit, they, 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 so one of her uh, arguments was, in addition to the significant security lapses documented at the start of the quote-unquote audit, which was caused by her, by the way, they they randomly decided to take the the ballots on a on a tour. They're just they're 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 despicable human beings because they will do anything to interfere with anybody actually getting to the bottom of something, because that's the way they operate. They have no principle, and I'm just saying that. And she's just a she's a tool, and she's been told what to do, and she'll do it because she's a parrot. She doesn't know any. She I'm not saying she can't be smart or anything. I'm just saying that she's just a useful idiot. So it appears that boxes containing ballots were stored on the county floor in fenced off areas. This chain link fencing, however, appears to be only eight feet tall, and there's no ceiling or top fencing to prevent an unauthorized person from climbing the exterior fencing to gain access to the ballots. Lady, lady, the cameras are on at nine different angles. I can, I can uh, go to, let's see here if I can get it up, uh, which camera specifically focuses on it. Uh, camera three, like I said, easy audit dot camera three specifically looks at all the ballots. You can see pallets and pallets of them and there's a whole fence. Area. And yes, theoretically, could somebody crawl over the thing? Of course. But, uh, you know, if you want to watch it, babysit it, you can go right ahead. This has been live since it started. I did a, I've been watching it on a daily basis. Do I watch every last minute of it? Of course not. Don't need to. I'm not getting paid to. So I, I, when someone makes, uh, makes accusations and they have something as stupid as that, they're not even getting to the part of the matter. They're just throwing in, the, throwing in that crap for filler. But... Let's get to the real meat and the potatoes. So, uh, yesterday, uh, also, at the same time, a lady called Pamela Carlin uh, wrote, wrote from the De- Department of Justice. So, she's the Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General. So, she's she thinks she's important. And, and you'll, you'll find out why she thinks she's important. 
So she's appointed to the Civil Rights Division, but she put in, she had multiple, uh, it was a, about a three-page letter. Uh, but the second issue relates to Cyber Ninja's statement of work for this audit. Among other things, the statement of work indicates the contractor has been working with a number of individuals to identify registrations that did not make sense and then knock on doors to confirm if the valid voters actually lived at the stated address. Makes sense, right? You want to know that the person who voted is where they are or where they stated the I mean this is six months after they if they moved they've moved, but if they haven't, you'll know. So the statement of work, this was paragraph two point one. The statement of work also indicates the contractor will select a minimum of three precincts in Maricopa County with a high number of anomalies in order to conduct an audit of voting history, and the voters may be contacted through a combination of phone calls and physical canvassing to collect information on whether the individual voted in the election in November 2020. Statement of Work, paragraph 5.1. This description of proposed work of the audit raises concerns regarding potential intimidation of voters. It's not intimidation to ask questions, uh, as simple questions, uh, by the way. The department enforces a number of federal statutes that prohibit intimidation of persons for voting or attempting to vote. Uh, well, first of all, they're not voting. They're just being asked about whether they voted. Voting or attempting, well, you know, whether they attempted or not attempted, we don't know. This isn't about their vote. This is about their, whether they were there or not. <laughs> whether you're dealing with the same person who, who from that address and they happened, happened to be the... Their vote, whether they voted or not, but whether their name is in, name is at the right address, it's it's linking the dots. That's what it is. It's okay. If you voted, fine. I don't care what you voted for. Do you live there? And you know, you know, are you still there? So she goes into her. For example, she goes, Section 11B of the Voting Rights Act provides that no person, whether acting under color of law or otherwise, shall intimidate, threaten or coerce, or attempt to intimidate, threaten, or coerce any person for voting or attempting to vote, or intimidate, threaten, or coerce, or attempt to intimidate, threaten, or coerce any person from urging or aiding any person to vote or attempt to vote. It's just redundant. It's just crap. <laughs> and it's nothing about the Voting Rights Act. Uh, she says, past experience with similar investigations efforts around the country have raised concerns that they can be directed at minority voters, which potentially can implicate the anti-intimidation prohibitions of the Voting Rights Act. Such investigative efforts can have a significant intimidating effect on qualified voters that can deter them from seeking to vote in the future. We'd appreciate your response to these concerns described herein, including advising us on the steps the Arizona Senate will take to ensure the violations of federal law do not occur. Uh, there is no violation of federal law and you're intimidating. You're trying to intimidate them out of their, their job and duty. But here's what you really need to know. So, Mr. Miss Pamela Carlin. So after she's appointed to the Civil Rights Division, she appeared at the Ukrainian impeachment to cr critique and giddily oppose Donald Trump. She later sat on the Facebook oversight board that assisted, according to Time, in the managing of the information throughout the 2020 election cycle. This tidbit from the Time lays out the intertwining timeline that occurred regarding Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook, Facebook Gupta, Carlin, and potentially the Cabal. In November 2019, Mark Zuckerberg invited nine civil rights leaders to dinner at, home, at his home, where they warned him about the danger of election-related falsehoods that were already spreading unchecked. 
It took pushing, urging, conversations, brainstorming. All of that got to the place where we ended up with a more rigorous rules and enforcement, says Vanita Gupta, president and CEO of the Leadership Conference on Civil Rights Human Rights, who attended the dinner and also met with Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey and others. Gupta has been nominated for Associate Attorney General by President Biden. Carlin ran a Stanford course designed for high schoolers from September to November 2020 called Election 2020, a panoramic view of America's decisive election. So she ran a course. There she had as guest speakers Vanita Gupta, Bill Clinton, Adam Schiff, Susan Rice, and Lincoln Project co-founder Steve Schmidt, among a who's who of Democrat political operatives and former candidates. So let's see, what else can I tell you about? So to backtrack, one highly suspects her testimony given in December 2019 to buttress and morally bankrupt Joe Biden and his son's kickbacks from Ukraine aided in her recent DOJ appointment. Um, yeah, it, it, to, to my estimation, and it gets better. So Facebook yesterday came out and said that they weren't going to, quote unquote, put Trump back on their platform. Seems kind of interesting, very well timed. Uh, and oh, by the way, she sat on that board. Uh, just uh, there's a whole host of these are a nest of pit vipers. These people are, and they're all white too, by the way. These are your white uh, Norm Eisen, Pamela Carlin, Mark Zuckerberg. They, <laughs> these people are so evil. They're evil to their core. They hate this country so badly. And they exploit everything they can. They're just trying to, they're literally trying to suck the marrow right out of this country. They have used every tactic of manipulation, propaganda, censorship. They're destroying our rights right before our eyes. And they think, and they think they're, and they think they're really, they, I don't know if they believe their ideology, but if they do, they're, they're just basically your, your basic weakling communists. They're leftists who, Never got picked on the playground, and so now they're they're retaliating against people who they who they feel think they're better than them. When in reality, we don't care what they thought. That we don't we don't harbor those ill wills against them. They harbor ill wills against us. We know what kind of gutter snipe Mark Zuckerberg is. You know, he backstabbed one of his partners at the beginning of the uh, Facebook's uh, uh, before even they went public. So we know what kind of, you know, was it Eduardo Saverin or whatever his name is. And whatever the case, that may be true. But I read some of the book that that, that movie was based upon. I actually read the book. And yeah, he did do that to him. Uh, I, I don't think he, they could have uh, published that uh, or, uh, let's say, released that movie if that wasn't ostensibly true <laughs> about him, about what he does or what he has done. So these people are always, they're just manipulative and deceitful. Uh, you know, Zuckerberg learned from the best. He learned from Bill Gates, for, for F's sake. So uh, Carlin is just another, just a, just evil person. Uh, she has no, she has no business being a lawyer. She certainly has no business being in the civil rights division. But, you know, she's been teaching at Stanford, and I'm sure she's got a quick tongue and, yeah, she's a lawyer and blah blah blah. She knows she knows what the law should be. She knows what the constitution is, but they're just trying to tear it they're just trying to tear it apart. They don't they don't believe they don't believe in the they believe in like the 1619 project. They believe in that bullshit, evidently. 
they but they really just do it they're just using it against everybody else they're using it against the dupes they're using it against people who who aren't going to question them that's what they do because they get to a position of with a little bit of power with a little bit of power you can tell a lot about a person when a person has power and they act like this you should you should immediately be bells and whistles should go off in your head you should be very well aware of what kind of person and individual you're dealing with you know give these people a little bit of power you've seen what they've done with it give twitter a little bit of power you've seen what they've done with it um same way with google in a mere 20 years these people have been such a destructive force on social media against the constitution they've done everything that uh mr huxley just mentioned with the idea of technology technology may be neutral but it can be deployed in such an evil evil aspect towards people that they can't do anything about it uh that you know people buy into this stuff they get suckered everybody's been suckered at some point you know i used to have thing i used to think these people weren't so bad you know 10 years ago maybe 12 years ago and then i gradually became more aware of what kind of manipulation ploys they were pulling everybody wakes up a little bit in different time frames but <clears throat> it's dangerous because <clears throat> we don't have enough of our population that's awake to this uh, you know because you have people like Barack Obama who's you know he's probably behind the strings I mean he's got Susan Rice Susan Rice was his uh, foreign policy person now she's uh, now she's working in the domestic department she's she's basically running the White House I don't think unless of course uh, her and uh, Kamala are palsy wowsy but they've been putting on this show they've been using COVID for whatever exploit they've exploited the COVID crisis for normalization of their policy and they've been using pushing 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 race if we were truly a racist country given what they've been doing to white people throughout this country there would have already been massive uprisings they aren't and there haven't been because we aren't that kind of people they're just projecting all their insecurities onto people and they're forcing this down our throats and they're refusing to listen to anybody else and they want to continue to push it they're going to push people to the edge because that's what they want it's bad when you use the department of justice justice it's labeled the department of justice instead it's it's the department of evil now they don't believe in rights they don't believe in the constitution they use it to manipulate and exploit people and and of course that that uh that uh, bishop garrison will say well you know that's exactly what we thought would happen well yeah because you're pushing it on everybody you're promoting this bullshit i mean it makes you kind of a pretty pretty sad and despicable human being as far as i'm concerned uh, he's not a you know he's just another one of these people who got who got way too much power way too soon in his life and uh you know just it's terrible it's terrible we live in a country like this now and we have we're run by uh a condescending um <laughs> i don't know i guess you could say you know, you have a guy who doesn't who told you that your amendments are are are, are what do you call it negotiable, or well the right the Constitution is not really you know set in stone. That's a that, you see it's all going to be dependent upon do you agree with them. If you agree with them, then the Constitution is good for you. 
But if you don't agree with them, then the Constitution is going to be used against you in any way, shape, or form. And I don't really care whether they do it to me, but I feel really sad for all the kids that grow up who are going to be psychologically manipulated and contorted. And one of the, this interview with uh, uh, Adolph Huxley, he mentions the children is the way of one of the ways that they were using it. They all this has all been done before to us. These people aren't very original or innovative. They they're just using old tactics, propaganda, the the Edward Bernays um, psychological uh, methodologies. This has been been going on for years and years and years. Some of us are just woke up to the fact that. You know, that's all they're trying to do. That they don't have anything else. They don't have any other. They they do, but now because they have the institutions, they have the agencies, they have Congress, barely, but they do have it. They have the presidency, and they have a president that's a wackadoodle that doesn't know how to run it. He doesn't have anything useful to say. He's just rolled out every once in a while just to make people think that he's still running something. He isn't doing anything. He's just a photo opportunity at this point, and the people that are behind the scenes, from the uh, chief of staff to, you know, and you know what the reason why uh, why uh, Kamala cackles so much is because she knows she's just a little bit of just a little bit more time, and she'll be in charge of the uh, the rest of the United States of America, and she'll be the final death knell to this country. She knows it. Women women like her never never succeed in making anything better. She's never ran anything before anyway. She won't run the United States. She'll run it into the ground. I, 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 I'm not projecting that. I know it. You can you can just see the kind of person she is. She She's a prosecutor at heart. She was glad to lock people up. She'll lock up all kinds of people. We'll have five million people in jail. And, and the threat of jail will keep everybody in line. And she'll, they'll, they'll, they're going to declare martial law. And most of the people will go along with it because you know why? What else can you do? You know? That's what they're trying to do. They're, trying, they're going to turn the United States of America into a prison. And then eventually, you know, because of because of everybody's going to go, well, why, why even bother? What's the use? Why, why, why try to be productive? And then everything will just eventually get taken over. We're going to turn into... We're going to turn it into everything we fought against from, you know... 1945 to 1990 and you know what it isn't started with these idiots i mean uh, biden and harris are just morons who just happening you know that's what the democrats rolled out and everybody all the seals are out there clapping going yeah i'm gonna get my gibbs i'm gonna get my money you're a bunch of idiots you're not getting anything but you can you're gonna you're gonna get a little retaliation you're going to puff up and think you're really special for a little while. And then the then the hammer is going to come down on you. And then you're going to go, well, nobody's here to help me. Well, of course, you got rid of all the people that were willing to help you. But you just weren't too smart. You weren't smart enough. Because of your intellect, you're going to wind up losing. Um, you're going to lose to these people. But like I said, they these people are unimportant. They're just, they're run by the people like the Eisens and whatever. And those people are minor characters too. But like you think about the Clintons and the Obamas and the Bushes, all the neocons and neolibs that sold this country out for 30 plus years, 40 years, going back. And they've always had this idea that they were going to make money off their people, exploit the country, put us in wars that we didn't belong. They sold us that they propagandized the Iraq war to you. You know that, don't you? They faked that. 
you have Colin Powell comes out and you know throws you know throws Donald Trump under the bus and that that uh, idiot that was uh, I was just mentioning there the Garrison dude he was all you know happy about Mr. Powell or whatever Powell's a joke he always was and uh, you know <laughs> see the thing is is they like to put certain people in positions because they can't criticize them. It's not because their messaging is so great. It's just because uh, if you criticize them, then they instantly make it, ooh, you don't like him because he's black. I could care less whether he's black. I care what comes out of his, I can care, one, what comes out of his mouth, and two, what his actions are. And when he lied to the UN and, you know, held up the vial and all that other jazz, I mean, The Intercept, The Intercept wrote a, a scathing piece on him in 2018 about how much he lied to the American people. And yet he's still promoted. He's still attached to all these think tanks. Um, oh, he's attached to one with uh, Bill Gates and uh, James Mattis and Albright and Condoleezza Rice. I mean, I've just named all of the, the all the board or the head of that. I mean, what's his face? Norm Eisen's connected to the Brookings Institute. Brookings Institute is funded by Gates and had uh and victoria newland was just there now victoria newland's back at state she just got reappointed it's all the same nest of pit vipers always it's always the same people maybe a little bit different title but they're just recycled um our country never will achieve freedom again or liberty unless we localize our authority and just just uh, forget about the federal government don't take their money if you're in any position of authority at a local level, don't take their money. Just say, nope, we'll just, you, you, the only way you're going to achieve any kind of, uh, what would you call it, um, uh, freedom or liberty is a local level. And the only way you can keep that liberty is to say, nope, no federal funding. We don't want your teachers union. We don't want your educators. We don't even want your public education money. You just better to be poor and not uh, live free than than try to quote live uh what would you say uh uh one step from poverty and yet be beholden to their entire do their entire tap dance because uh, eventually they're going to destroy it anyway don't worry give these people enough time they'll destroy america uh it may take you know 10 20 years but it may not even take that long um but they will they'll destroy your rights so, you know, the best thing you can do is just, uh, like I said, take local control of your, your education, uh, your police forces. Don't, don't defund the police, uh, it, but keep the funding. Keep federal dollars out of your community. Absolutely. Do not allow federal money into your community. Anyone who's caught doing that, you, tell, you smack them on the hand and say, get the hell, are you stupid? Is once you have money tied to it, you have federal control. They will come in and they will do whatever they want to do. So you ignore their money. Thanks, but no thanks. We don't want your roads, road money. We don't want to, we don't, we'll figure out how to self-fund things. If you do that and work at a community level and trust your uh, sheriffs and point people that you can trust. At a local level, this works. Let them run the cities. If they want to run the cities and want to give, and of course, they're going to strip mine you. Eventually, they'll raise all the taxes on all the people till there's next to nothing left. But I'm going to close it for today. I've talked long enough. Um, 
it today was kind of a a bad broadcast when I say it's not it isn't so fun to find out who's running the military or who's going to who's implementing policy over there and know that they're going to destroy the thing that you you once were a part of and that it was really the only time I was ever a part of anything and I wish I would have done a better job when I was a part of it but I wasn't um, I wasn't in the right mindset I was 20 something so you know sue me <laughs> uh, all I can say is there is hope but the hope has to be daily and the battles are to expose these people for what they are which is they're they're, they're just they're not American they're not patriots they don't care about this country they care about their money they care about their ideology and their ideology is filled with poison and hatred and they, they despise anybody who, who points out their flaws. Uh, and their flaws are real simple. They, can't, they don't like anyone telling them no. They don't like people who think for themselves. They don't like people who would rather have their own freedoms and choices and decisions without them making it for them. You don't need to make my mind up and you don't need to re-educate me on some some cockamamie 1619 project I mean I know what my past history is and I know that the scars in this country exist for some but a lot of them they don't exist at all they get to attend William and Mary I you know I went to a public university with barely any money so thank you again for listening God bless America and hope for the world thanks again for listening